You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. All right. Hello, folks. <laughs> We're coming to you live today from Baraboo, Wisconsin. Hey, Bracken. Kirk, this is a first for us. Yeah, it is. Four years. We had our four-year anniversary, over 400 episodes now, and we have never recorded in the same room. And here we are. So close. Our mm. elbow bones are touching yes, yeah. right now. And uh, have you ever heard, you seen the video, um, Two Guys, One Mike? Have you ever seen that video? No. It's because we're, we're recording it right now. Yeah, I, I think we are because I got here before Kirk and uh, I walked in to check out the bedrooms and it was, uh, it was a, short, a short journey. <laughs> I accidentally booked a place with one bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The most, the most just innocent of intentions. Just, oops, only one. Bracken. I told Bracken I've been subtly working on him for the last four years for this very moment. Yeah. And so we're going to see how this culminates here today. But for real. So what we did is we got in. Um, for those of you listening, it is like a Thursday night. We're in Baraboo, Wisconsin, outside of Devil's Lake State Park. We're going to rip up some trails. We're going to rip up some roads. Uh, I saw there was a circus museum down the street. Did you see that? Every good Wisconsin (laughs) town has a circus museum. Yeah, so we're going to hit that up. Because Ringling Brothers, that's founded in Wisconsin, correct? I don't know. I'm not a circus guy. We're going to find out it when we get to the museum. Yeah. So we've had several things founded in Wisconsin. And I thought either, either Barnum or Ringling was... Was Wisconsin. I think we've determined that the only thing Wisconsin has is Culver's and Tony Romo and the running public today. And I don't even know if we claim Romo anymore. Um, Big city, hoity-toity boy. Moved out and went Hollywood on us. Terrible. So why don't you tell people what we're, what we're doing today? Well, we're here and we're just going to we're just going to talk with each other. And we, we don't even have a real plan. I, I put up a I put up a post on Instagram asking you to ask us anything. This is the most riffable situation we've ever had. You and I mm-hmm. looking at each other. We're not going to be stumbling over each other's words. We don't have a three-second internet delay. It's unreal. So we can kind of just have a good conversation, maybe even give you an insight into what we're going to do tomorrow. You want to start with that? Because when, when you and I get together, we don't, as much as we plan everyone's run in our lives around us, when we get together, we're often deciding on the warm-up what our workout's going to be. And often mm-hmm. it changes, like it's a multi-part workout. Yes. We've rarely just done one thing for an entire workout. Right. Yeah. No. So we have not planned. We're going to get up tomorrow. It's like, what is it? It's like six o'clock at night. So we're going to record this thing. It's going to be a little shorter episode than a normal Friday release. And then we're going to go get dinner and we'll probably really formalize at dinner. But I had a proposition for you actually for the workout. So did I. You did? Yes. All right. Uh, Paper, scissors, rocks. Who goes first? All right. You ready? I've never heard of rocks. What what else? I didn't know it was plural. All right. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. I go and shoot. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. All right. We are so in sync. Oh, we had the same. We went like scissors, scissors, rocks, something. All right. Um, that had been fun to listen to for you guys. So I'll go first. So I want to propose a split tempo. I like it. Okay. So what I think we should do tomorrow is we should, we're going to hit the trails on Saturday, maybe a double run tomorrow if I'm feeling good. So we could get extra in, but I was thinking. Two-mile buy-in, six to 12 quarters, two-mile cash-out. Very simple. 
or we could time base it. 12 minute buy-in, 60 on, 60 on, off, 10 minute, something like that. You that was my proposition. That's going to destroy me. And I like it. Let's do that. Well, what was your proposition? My proposition was we do what I did the last time I trained here, which okay. was years ago, uh-huh. many years, like five years ago, okay. maybe four. I went out and I hit every segment in mm-hmm. Devil's Lake State Park that was up or down or flat. Those are all the options. I mean, you could have up and down. It was, so like I went and I I ran like a mile and a half to the first hill. And then okay. I went up and down it scouting it and then up and down it for time. And then went over to the next climb, up and down it, scouting it, up and down it for time. And then there was like a 1.14 mile twisty trail. I ran it one direction to scout it, one direction hard. And I just, it was like a two hour long run that was only chasing crowns. I like that too. I like poaching crowns. But A, they're very difficult crowns. B, it's very unstructured. Yeah, but what, okay. Sound fartlek? Would that be what it would be called? Sure. Yeah. Because a fart lick would ultimately be no real structure. If you, if you, I mean, that's the one if thing. You, if you're a purist. You're a purist. So, well, what about this? So what if we hit something structured tomorrow mm-hmm. and then we'll see where we're at Saturday and maybe we pick like just a handful? I like that. What about that? Because I was, I mean, this is selfish. So because I've been sick, I'm just ramping back up, starting to feel good. I feel like a little slow. And so I was hoping to get like, I was like, I want my cake and eat it too. I want to like do a little stay power, a little speed, finish with a little stay power. That's selfish. That has not, it's not taking your needs into account. There, I said it. I have been repeating the same three to four workouts for like nine weeks and I'm happy doing it. But what that means is that I have built in wiggle room. I can do whatever you want tomorrow. So okay. I like the idea. I haven't done a split tempo in a while. Either have I. I haven't done one in months and months. But it's such a good workout. In fact, I believe we chose that or I chose that as one of my three options I could have if I could only have one workout ever again in my life. Yeah, it covers a lot. So yeah, let's do that. And then Saturday we can play around. We'll see how we're chasing. We yeah. chase. Also, I don't know how much we're going to use this video. But from time to time, you're going to see our eyes just darting around because this place, we are fighting a losing battle against, we don't know if they are ladybugs or some sort of Japanese beetle, but they are, every window is covered in them, which is strange because it's February, but they just keep darting around and my eyes are tracking them. Well, not me because you're looking at the window. No, it's because it's driving down here. It's 59 degrees. It's February, whatever, 8th. And that this has never happened. So this is always, every time it gets warm, this crap happens. And this is an older house. Um, this fantasy suite I booked, I think, has some gaps in the windows. So Neighbors better or not. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. We have a beehive next door. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. An entire bee, like, farm. A bee farm. Bee farm. What, what is the technical term for a bee something? You mean like, like a aviary, but for bees? Like a biologist, like who studies bees? <laughs> no, like an aviary is a an enclosure for birds. Oh, sure, sure. What is a bee called? A hive. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me. All right, yeah. so we, we have some we have some some questions here. Do you want me to pull up some of these? Um, you got here. I mean, you can surprise me if you'd like. Um, and, and truth be told, folks, by the way, so after walking in the door, we just reunited like, I don't know, two hours ago, hour and a half ago. Like, I don't know if we're going to teach you much tonight, to be honest. Like, I don't know how put together our thoughts are going to be. Yeah, we're just giddy lovers over here. And so I figure we're just going to have a little fun and see what uh, the people want to know. And I hope it's appropriate because this is a family show. Yes. Yes. And this is how families are started. <laughs> One bedroom Airbnbs. <laughs> All right. We're going to start out with two. 
Okay. Just to get to know, maybe break the ice a little bit. Okay. This yeah. feels like speed dating. Feeling a little nervous. We are at a table. I didn't even bring wine or anything. We're, We're loosening sure. up. Do we look in the camera or at each other? Both. Yeah, both. I'm oh, going to move yeah. back and forth the whole time. My okay. voice may fluctuate on you. Yep. Again, it's because of our connection, instant connection. If you could run anywhere in the world, where would you run? Is that as open-ended as that? Yep. If I could run anywhere in the world, where would I run? I would run somewhere. I'll tell you, actually, you know what? Let's make it a place we've been because otherwise we'd be speaking like out of ignorance. Let's do one of each. Let's do one ignorant (laughs) (laughs) and one where we've been. All right. I'm going to say Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada. You have the front range there. So you can get flat, solid running along the river. You can do any of your speed sessions low. And you can get to steep, aggressive trails and roads within 30 minutes. You can be running up. And so I've been to Calgary, I don't know, like three or four times. And like, if you want it all, because I'm kind of like an altitude baby. So like you have like Palm Springs comes to mind. Calgary, have you been to Calgary? Mm -mm. Oh, it's beautiful. And the mountains are aggressive. You can get to elevation if you want. Yet You have relatively low elevation at the foothills. Think like Denver, but lower. Mm, Yeah. Um. And the mountains are even more pretty than in Colorado. So I'm going I'm going Calgary with knowing I can go to Banff and uh, that area. So, Jesus, these bugs, you're right. All right. So I'm going Calgary. What about you? Oh, I like the idea of train low because mm-hmm. altitude sucks. Yeah. But I'm going to choose altitude because there's something special about going to altitude camp. Okay. Crested Butte. Never been. Colorado. It's beautiful. It's like, when, when I was up at the top, I looked down and thought, this is what I remember Switzerland looking like. And no one's ever thought of Switzerland and be like, oh, look at that dump. Mm. You know, it's, a, it's just green. It's pristine. It's beautiful. Uh, it's high altitude. I think it's 9,000 at base and goes up to 13. You, someone could fact check me on that, but it's high. And, uh, and, and you can run switchbacks, but you can also run straight up some sections. So you can get a little bit of both. It's a little limited. It's not the biggest mountain. It's not the most varied like trail system, but there's mountain bike trails and there's fire road and you can run straight up like a Palmerton style, straight up one of the slopes. So I'd probably run there for a weekend. I feel like, well, if you want to hate your life, you'd go there for a weekend. Uh, I feel like we picked vanilla places. We stayed in North America. Well, because that's what you said, like, places we've been. I know, but I... For training. I was going to say Great Wall of China. I've always wanted to run. Can you run on the Great Wall of China? I think they allow it. it. Oh. But I think I would want something... Exa- I want to, like, run on the ridge of a... The edge of a volcano or something like that. What is the most... No, it would be novel. <clears throat> like, yeah. one of the most epic ridgeline trails. What would that be? Because that would be legit. I don't know. Maybe something in Patagonia? Yeah, something ridgeline the whole way. I would, yeah. I would probably suck up my hate for altitude by doing that. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna stick with my gun. Anything Killian runs on a daily basis on his Instagram, yeah, that'd be worth it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with those. Okay, Follow. or or Baraboo, Wisconsin. Baraboo, Wisconsin. Close second for me. Did you see? I sh- I showed you the the uh, board game that's upstairs. No, what I forget what is was it? Barabooopoly. Uh, we're going to get to know our great city today, aren't we? Tonight. Yep. Monopoly yep. via Baraboo. Picture me and Bracken in our footy pajamas playing Barabooopoly. Yep. Picture it. All right. Uh, okay. So the follow-up to that is bucket list. <clears throat> race or FKT? Oh, bucket list race for the experience? It could be anything. It could be lame, but it means something to you. The Olympics. 
5,000 meter final. <laughs> That's a really good answer. <laughs> How about that? That would be my dream race. Yeah. You know what, actually, I wish they would put together? And this is actually, this is real talk. I've been thinking a lot about this because I feel like I've committed to like run metrics a little bit. Like I'm going to be hitting, hitting the trails. And I know a lot of you listeners, like, uh, you know, hybrid's a big space and we talk about it a lot and there's some pull there, but like, I'm really committing to like running. Right. And I, I don't know what's out there. And maybe this is a call to action, but like some sort of masters, like whatever the masters road racing championships are or the masters 5k national which they have which they right i just don't i haven't done the research on it but like right now like my dream race would be to like run well enough to qualify for something that like matters in my age division but the best whatever that would look like that would actually be my dream race that i could potentially come to fruition so i would say some sort of masters national competition that's what i'm gonna say thought masters 5k road was one in like 15 12 or something last year no Someone's going to fact check me. It's probably going to be Jack Bauer. 40-year-old just around the Olympic marathon trials and like... Remember, this is who shows up. Well, I know, but anyways, I think that's what I'm going to say. Or the Olympic 5,000-meter finals. There's still a hope. I'm a dreamer. You're rubbing off on me, Bracken. <laughs> what about you? Uh, just top of mind right now. So it's well documented by myself okay. <laughs> that I watch a lot of YouTube on the treadmill. Okay. And... I have gone down a, a rabbit hole that you are not aware of. Which is? Rounds. Like the UK version of FKTs where you hit a round, where you hit every mountain in the surrounding fell. You hit every one. So right now, I spent all week watching people's documentaries and recaps about the Bob Graham round. And I would say that's my bucket race list right now. It's 42 peaks. It's an actual race. It's an, no, no. It's, okay. it, it, it's an FKT. But people treat it like a race, and then there's strict rules for it. Okay. And uh, 42 peaks, 27,000 feet of vert, maybe 28. And in order for it to count as an official round, you have to finish in under 24 hours. But the record's like 1230. Killian just said it. Like maybe it was 1330. So no, you're not I, going I for the. You're it. not going for the record. You, it's impossible. Okay. Uh, but 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 that's not why you do it. You do it to see if you can finish in under 24 hours. Uh, it, the record was set in like 82, and uh, it was just broken by Killian a year or two ago hmm. by an hour. Killian Jornet. Jornet. Yeah. And then that same year, another guy broke Killian's by like 20 minutes. Hmm. Uh, but it's, just, it's one of those things that you watch it and you can't help but want to go after it. And it's my type of dream running, which is kind of off-road, but no climb bigger than like two or 3,000 feet, no. but a ton of them. And it's not, a lot of it's broken up or like marshy and stuff. And I, I like that kind of thing. I don't know why it surprises me. Like, have you've never done, well, I guess you did the Tennessee mile, six hour or whatever, but like you seem to be drawn to that long stuff, but you're. I'm not good at it. But it's not like, it's not like, yeah, it's not like you're, you're not no. constantly chasing ultras all year. So it's interesting because you bring those up and I never do because for some reason they don't jump out at me right now, maybe one day, but. Yours, yeah, you always, you like, the, you romanticize the ultra. I do, and I yeah. don't know why. I was a middle distance runner. In college, you, one time in track, I ran longer than 15, than a mile. I ran one 3K steeplechase mm. only as a bet to try to beat someone on our team. And How fast did you run? I there? wasn't good. I was 10.02. You, you had a hard time getting into rhythm at the, like, you weren't a good hurdler probably, right? I was way too aggressive. Yeah. Our, my water jump pictures <laughs> are not efficient. You're flying. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not good. Uh, uh -huh. it, and I had no endurance in college. Anyway, I've spent my whole life trying to avoid going long, but every time I run something long, I fall in love with it. 
Like, I think I have the soul of an ultra runner in the body of someone who doesn't belong running ultras. Mm. So I, it's like that. I'm like that friend who only goes after guys that are no good for her. That's, that's why we're here together. That's ultras for me. Because <laughs> you're the guy that's that was no good. Always the for you. Like, oh, no, God. for you. For you. It's why like, you're drawn you were, to me. You were that guy who was always. No, I'm good. No I'm, good for people. Oh, I'm always real good for people. So that's ultras. And, and people have said that. Like Ryan Kent one time was like, why do you, why are you doing this? Like, don't do that. Just do the things you're good at. Don't, why are you messing around yeah. with ultras? And I, I don't have an answer for it other than I'll go like four or five months and then it just, it starts to itch at me. I secretly have the superior 100 or eventually I will do something long, 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 but there's a fragile point in your life in which committing to something like that might ruin your, yeah, your opportunity to do other things shorter. So I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but that sounds great. For example, yesterday, this is like a daily battle I fight. Okay. It's, it's every day. You yeah. wake up and you fight it. Our vehicle is dead out in Lake Geneva, which is 47 or 49 miles from my house. Lisa was going to drive out there so we could pick up a different vehicle and bring it back. Like, that's so much back and forth. And for like two hours, I considered running out there to see if I could run 49 miles. And What's the worst that happens? She'll pick you up if you don't make it. Yeah, or I'll call a, like an Uber. But like, it was so enticing that maybe I tack on a mile. Could I run 50 today? Could I just run 50? Like, that's not our sane, rational thought. No. But I fight that every day. Hmm. Well, so far you are, you're winning the battle. I'm proud of you. Sometimes. I relapse from time to time. Uh-huh. Yeah. My wheelhouse. All right. All shoes right now on the market. What would your Frankenstein perfect trail shoe be for you? If you could piece it together of all parts. Perfect easy, trail shoe. Easy. It is just one? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? No, it's two. Okay. I would take... Oh, how would I combine it though? I would hybrid the Nike Vaporfly with the Hoka Speedgoat 5. <laughs> okay. Because I ran in the Speedgoat 5 last weekend and it is still the most responsive training shoe I've ever worn. Something that's durable. And I like that shoe for racing, but it needs to be stripped down. So I take all the light parts of the vapor, the carbon plate, let's throw that in there. Whatever foam is in the Speedgoat and traction, I'm happy man. I'm going to take the Vaporfly Speedgoat the original Vaporfly and the Speedgoat 5 Hybrid. I'm just going to mash those together. I'm going to keep it simple. That's Vapor it. Vapor Speedfly. S- the Vapor Speedfly, yes. Vapor Speedgoat. The Goatfly. Goatfly. <laughs> X. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I just, I could see them marrying well. Okay. Okay. I'm going to keep it simple. I know you're, you've got about a half an hour explanation here. So <laughs> let's. Uh, no, I'm going to keep it simple to too. It. Yeah. Because up until probably this year, I would have just said, give me the Speedgoat. Three or four. This is a racing shoe. I guess I didn't. I, I guess one racing, one training. Okay. But my training or long shoe would be the Speedgoat three or four, but make the lugs out of VJ. You I don't mean, have yeah. to be huge. Yeah. Just give me the VJ lugs on a Speedgoat three or four. And this is where the VJ loves, loves, lugs win. It's the weekend bracket. It's getting to me already. Mm-hmm. Is that you can step on like, what is it? I mean, the slipperiest rock and somehow your foot's going to stick, right? That's the only place the speed goat like lacks is like you get on what the treadmill even and you start sweating and the speed goats grip slips. Yep. It's fine if you can dig into the surface. But anyways, I agree with that combination. But now, right now, I would take the Solomon S-Lab Pulsar. Okay. I would make the bottom out of VJ. Okay. So same lug configuration. Give me that. That's fine. Mm. Give me one more mil out of butyl rubber. And then the foam, 
I would want to replace it with fuel cell foam. Hmm. The fuel cell that was in the RC Elite 1. Don't do and we I have two more mil across the board. Stack height. Stack across height across the board. the board. You need a little more for so that I could do anything with it. Huh. And I could take it any distance, but I'm that that is a fast shoe. The the I love the foam that's in <clears> the Salomon <throat> Pulsar, but I'm finding that it is it's compressing. It's losing mm. some of the pop. I have a second pair waiting in the closet, but so Solomon S Lab Pulsar. No change on the upper, on the yep. lacing, on the fit. I'm just making the foam more durable, which I'll say fuel cell. Yep. And the lugs out of butyl rubber. Is that an eight mil drop though? I don't know what the drop actually is, but on the trails, it functions fine for mm. me. Uh, the, uh, the other thing is that I would take the heel shape of like the Tecton X or the Speed Goat. The heel is it grabs really, like, you good. beveled yep. almost. Yep. And I don't, I don't want that for a long stuff. So four shoes into one. That's, what four, I'm that's it. Four into one. <clears throat> we got some sample Pumas like a year ago. That's not fuel cell foam, is it? No, that is, uh, there's, there's called nitro. Oh uh, yeah. Nitro. But that, that foam would work. The DV8 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see. In fact, I have a the pair of them here. Pumas, uh, and the Olympic trials on so many people's feet. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Pumas. I mean, what, two out of the three women had Puma shoes on. I don't know what shoe it was, but. Nitro DV8 three. Mm-hmm. Elite. And do you know that. The third place woman, uh, Linwood, Worm, Linwor, Wormwood, what's her last name? Lin, Linworm? Linworm? Lindworm. Is from literally like down the street from where I live. Yeah. You've been to my house. Small town. She literally went to the high school that is a mile and a half from my house. Small world. My mom said, because my mom came over and watched with me. Okay. She's, she's big into it. And she said, I wonder if Kirk knows her. I don't know her. I don't. But you but should. It's such a small, I mean, St. Francis, where this woman is from, is like... 6,000 people? You could try to hang on to her for tempos. I could. I don't know if I would. She ran like 525 pace for the marathon, or 530 pace for the marathon. She dropped 509 at mile 22. Just want to feel bad about yourself? Just look at like the splits from the Olympic trials. Okay. Slightly downhill in that mile? Yeah, all downhill. I'm not going to read like the serious ones, I don't think. I think this is lighthearted today. Yep. I agree. Talk about races more again. <laughs> um. Okay. Race Brand is just a hybrid podcast. I want race talk again. I don't know if they understood the assignment. That, that, the question was, ask us anything. That was just a demand. That was a demand. Talk but I, you know what? You know what? I really enjoy talking about world athletics, like athletics being track and field, and you are in the know. I'm getting better. I watch everything now as mm-hmm. much as I can, but like, I really enjoy chatting that stuff out. If that's what this person is talking about, like, world-level track and field cross-country competitions and maybe ultras, like, yes, absolutely. I think we should do more of that. The OCR stuff, it's like a down season, right? Like, it's been down season for a while. So if that's what you're referring to, hang tight. But would you be game to talk more? 100%. I'm a nerd. I would love to talk that. You know what? I'm a nerd at my core. We should. All right. That was a good suggestion, but that wasn't a question. Race Brain is just a hybrid podcast. It is kind of leaning that way. I don't know. I got kicked off the squad. I got kicked off the squad for being the uh, the fifth wheel. He's gaslighting everyone right now. No, they want didn't want they got rid of me, and I'm triggered. <laughs> We're fighting this. Right now. <laughs> We're gonna have our first real fight. That's fine. Stomach issues on long runs. There are two exclamation points. Not a question. Do Pete, I get them? You remember? I don't know. For those of them who listen to the Training Tuesday episode, idiot, <laughs> idiot. But it's sentiment. So tummy issues on a long run. 
just stomach issues on long runs, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> um, well, my suggestion for you is that you need to experiment a lot, and usually it's stimulant-related. So, mm-hmm. like, your pre-workout, whether it's caffeine or your pre-workout, like, that, that stuff can irritate the heck out of the gut, and then you got to watch what you're eating. It has more to do with, I think, that than it has to do with anything else. And then I'll just leave it there. I don't, because it wasn't a question. So yeah. I'm just, that's, that's, that's my first stab at that. Oh, I'm going to say everyone knows my worst story. So we don't have to recount, recap that. But the worst, most frustrating stomach issue I had on the long run. And I'm lucky we have, I don't think either of us have had gut, like GI issues during a race. No, I never had. But I went to do a nine mile time trial on the trails and I pooped three times during it. And it was just like throwing sour water into the snow. And, and that, I don't like how you look me in the eyes when you say that. <laughs> I turned away from the it's camera. It's fine. It's fine on a computer screen. You can't look at me and say that. All right, continue. Oh, and it was so bad. But I had brought toilet paper that day. Because you knew. You had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I was messing around with beta alanine at the time. And oh, yeah. It messed back. Yeah. I So the stimulant thing, though, is what you're... I mean, it I really think me. it's a stimulant thing more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> It seems like Kirk <laughs> has entered the chat on some of these. What do you mean? Why is there only one bedroom in your Airbnb? I didn't ask that. I think we both know why. What one recovery item or device should runners own? You can start on this one if you if you have something. Uh, I don't think anyone needs anything. I, I'm sure that there are a million people on Instagram who will tell you otherwise, but I have uh, Air Relax, which is a budget brand of Normatech. I've... I have compression boots, I have compression socks, I have the R8 roller, I have a stick roller, I have foam rollers, we have the bead rollers, you know, that stick, the stick. The stick, yeah. Um, I've done cold therapy, I've done contrast therapy. When we lived in Colorado, KK Paul and I would go up to some place in Denver, some performance institute, and... We did electrostimulation, and I think that the best thing I ever did for myself was start doubling and taking naps. Mm. It trumped all of the devices I could ever own. I do like the recovery boots, but I often use them as warm-up. Like a Saturday morning before something big, I sit down on the couch, I drink my my stimulant with the boots on. I go through three, two or three cycles, and then I just feel loose and like... Mm. My legs are a little sweaty in there, and I get up and I start my warm-up. So my answer is you don't need anything. Take an extra nap. Uh, well, I share your sentiment, luckily. Um, I would say, yeah, uh, I used to have like a pre-race. Like it was like I had to ice bath the night before an important race. I extra foam rolled and stretched all week leading in and the weeks prior. I <clears throat> would ice bath on a regular basis, like even every day sometimes to reduce the inflammation and all that. I've done cryotherapy, number of things, and um, I don't do anything right now. I do absolutely nothing for recover other than try to eat enough, try to drink enough, yeah. and try to sleep enough. And what I have found is that I'm actually more consistent in my performances now than when I was doing all the things I needed to do for the race to go right. I would still show up and potentially feel like crap. I think what matters more is the last two weeks leading into whatever race or workouts that matter to you dialing in the workouts and the recovery and all the rest of it. I think all that other stuff is such a fraction of a percent. And I used to spend all like a lot of emotional energy and a lot of time energy Mm -hmm. in like figuring that out. 
And I'm a more consistent performer now because all that stuff, it's like you try to put a Band-Aid. Well, I didn't sleep much and I've been overtraining, so I'm going to hop in the ice bath and I'm going to pull it off. It's not how it works. Like you just need to like get your sleep. You need to eat well. And uh, it's a long-term approach. There's no one thing to slap on recovery. I really don't think there is. Like let your metabolic processes do their thing. That's what recovery is. So if you roll your ankle, sure, ice it if you need to run tomorrow. But like other than that, like stay away from everything, I think. You said something. That stuck with me. And I don't, I don't know, did we bring this up on a podcast recently where somebody asked in a past Q&A, like, <clears throat> what are the best, like, what's the right amount of, like, chiropractor and massage? Like, how do you know what you need or don't? And you said the least you can get away with and feel good, mm-hmm. right? Like, less is more. You don't want to have to add all this sh- shit into your repertoire so you can, like, perform well or feel mentally like you can perform well like less is more and if you're feeling good like don't add anything why would you do that yeah that's what i think yeah and and then we are creatures of habit and we grow to rely on things and so like if i need my normatech boots to get ready for a workout pretty soon i can't hit a workout without them dude you used to have like this crazy routine in high school and college didn't you you had to like touch the doorknob three times and then cough out your ears and then like take yeah. six poops and only wipe forward. It was like all these crazy Call things. all the letter Qs in the phone book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all it, that stuff. And you don't need to be a slave to that. Uh, but you quickly become one without realizing it. Like, I would challenge someone to go out and do a quality workout without their pre-workout one day. If no, don't go there. It, you, find, you quickly <laughs> find out how much you're beholden to your, your crutches. Yeah. So I wouldn't seek to develop any. Uh, that being said. Did you bring any pre-workout this weekend? I brought rain energy drink. Oh, yeah. So, yep. Yep. 300 milligrams of caffeine yeah. right into the yep, capillary beds. Brought a bazooka Good. to a gunfight. Yes, he did. But at the same time, the placebo effect is so powerful that if there's something that you just believe in and it works for you, I would never tell you that it doesn't work. Yeah. Unless someone's fleecing you out of a lot of money and doing it for you. So, yeah, I, I, I would try not to be reliant upon anything. That was super unhelpful. If that, if you were looking for like an objective answer, we're sorry, not sorry. That's what I think. My one yeah. sentence answer, the thing I use most are my air relax compression boots. Okay. And I've had, I've, I've used Normatec enough to know that the air relax, there is no real difference at all. Uh, just buy a bigger size than you think you need. Mm. <laughs> they run, they run short is what I found. But Lisa and I both use them more than any other product we've ever bought for recovery. All right. And I'll play the game. Uh, People, when they have some sort of overuse injury, like my hamstring hurts or my calf hurts, their tendency is to go stretch the crap out of it. And I find it pisses it off more than anything. It prolongs recovery. I think like a stick or a roller, like roll that stuff out, Theragun that stuff out. But the last thing you should do is like my hamstring hurts. Let's stretch it until I ruin it. Like that is not the right approach, in my opinion. So any sort of stick roller or foam roller, I would say. But those are for, like, the things that are bothering you. That's not, like, for everyday recovery. But that would be my addition there. Of We travel with a lacrosse ball. Perfect. That might be all you need. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is, and this is, this is a little bit more high level to think about, but I think it's worth thinking about, is that if you're doing all this recovery protocol to get through to the next workout, you're more likely to overtrain. Because if you don't do all those protocol, you may not do the next workout. Yeah. Because you're not recovered. And so it may be like a masking agent. Like it gets you to a place you don't want to be at. 
Maybe your inflammation and your fatigue is protecting you from taking the step too far. And if it takes an ice bath and cupping and rolling out for 45 minutes to get to your next quality day, that might be your bridge too far. And then you've you've built something that is going to crumble. So sometimes so much of it is actually a hindrance long term. I'm changing my answer. Best recovery tools, assault bike. There you go. When in doubt, assault bike it out. You're going to be better off for it. Cheers. Cheers. We're cheersing waters. And how Wisconsin is this? Chippewa spring water. And the ir- ironic part about it is I bought it in Minnesota. Brought it back over the border to its homeland. Mm-hmm. I could tell it had a, it was pulling this yeah. direction. Yep. Yeah. Got oh, better that, that's, gas that's, mileage. That's crisp. It. It's nice, yeah. What do we have here? Is there such thing as junk miles? This- Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to fight this weekend. <laughs> no, there's no such thing as junk miles. Or yes. Is there such thing as junk food? Yeah, but is it still like calorically useful if you're applying it correctly? I think there's to- totally thing is junk miles. But is it still useful? Do your see, mitochondria I, see, turn I, off when, when, when you're a gray zone? <laughs> no, what I look at is return on investment. And I come at sure. this from like an injury management standpoint. And like, if you're not sure and like to go out and run six easy miles and then it's going to set you back the next day. So you can't do your next workout or like, for me, I look at like, that's where my brain first goes. Like junk miles, like are unnecessary miles when you like, it's irresponsible for you to go out and run them. With no purpose. Via that definition, purposeless miles. Yes. Yes. But th- that's from bumps. that lens. Yes. But no, I, okay. The concept of doing a run that is at a pace that is not beneficial to you, to me, is utter poppycock. Okay. Horse manure. You keep looking at me in the eyes when you say these words. It's because when we're at home, I watch me. And whenever I have something to really say, <laughs> my eyes dart over and I look at you. And I'm doing the same thing here. I do notice when we record, your eyes go back and forth a lot, but I don't. It's mostly on one part of your screen, and I assume it's me. It is. Okay, okay. (laughs) But sometimes I look at myself, or I look at the wall behind me, or I look out the window, because I have City Hall right there, and I people watch. Okay, yeah. Or is it me? What I do is I switch my view each Uh time, so you never know that I'm just staring at me. Ah, yeah. Okay, so there's no such thing, and I agree with you. Your body doesn't know the difference in stimulus. Time on foot is time on foot, but I think at some, in some regard, if it's, if you're already fatigued and you're layering in fatigue which is just setting you back for what's to come. I would, would you call that junk mile? Here's what I will say. There are miles that should not be run. I think that's what I'm getting But every mile will incite a change inside your body. Yeah. So when people are talking about like, that's useless mileage, it's not making you any better. It's like, well, (laughs) you can't prove that. Like you're, why do we run aerobically? How about this? Well, go ahead. Tell me first. I mean, we've talked all about that. Like, it, it, it helps with oxygen transport and red blood cell count and mitochondria size and density and things like that, capillary bed density. But your body doesn't turn on that process when it believes in your mission. Right. It just does it. So I don't think there's such thing as a junk mile, but there is a mile that shouldn't have been run. And I yes. firmly agree with you on that. I, I just heard a, a coach this weekend as I was watching Bob Graham round stuff, this woman went out there and this is, I'm going to get into a full on story here. Okay. I watched the Terminator this week. Okay. I've never seen a more impressive feat of perseverance come through off the screen. This woman, so she was a professional trail and fell runner. Hold on, hold on. You watched the Terminator? 
No, I, I saw, I witnessed the Terminator in action. <laughs> I thought you were literally talking about watching the movie The Terminator, <laughs> as I think our audience did as well. I watched The Terminator last month. <laughs> okay, well, we're on different pages. Yes. I literally thought you were going to talk about the movie. No, I watched a live reel, not flesh over skeleton. Okay. Well, flesh over skeleton, but not over mechanical yeah. metal skeleton. Metal, yeah. yeah. Living tissue over metal, I believe, is the phrase. Okay. Um, so she was diagnosed with cancer, retired from running, beat cancer, runs a, a working beef farm in the UK. And decided to go back after her Bob Graham record. I came across this story somewhere. She's at least in her 50s. I haven't paid attention, but I've come across it somewhere. Okay. I I didn't hear her age. There's a lot of accents going on. And I was doing a quality session. And I I watched it during my warm-up. And I didn't turn it off. It was so good during my intervals. So I wasn't catching every word. So I don't know if she was in her 50s or 60s. But she set out to break her own still existing record on the the Bob Graham round. And she got going and locked in and never wavered for like 20 what would have been 18 hours never wavered she started to crumble and just her face never changed she'd come into her crew she'd sit down and just be like you could tell she was fully in it trying to slurp down soup and then she'd get up and then without like didn't talk to anyone Hmm. It was like mumble, like slurring, grunting to people, and then just took right back off and just kept like a Terminator just endlessly forward. And on her final, uh, to start the fifth stage, which in and of itself is ours, Mm -hmm. she's slurping down soup. She gets up. You can tell she's like going through something, starts walking, jogging, and just starts vomiting. Never changes expression. Doesn't say a word. Doesn't stop moving. And doesn't wipe her mouth until she's done with the final puke. Over the course of like 200 meters, wipes it and continues, <clears throat> doesn't even look to anyone. I'm thinking if I if I would have just puked, I would have at least looked like, oh. Uh, comfort, yeah. <laughs> nope. Never broke focus. I, I've, I've maybe never been more impressed mentally with anyone in my life than watching that. And why did I start talking about this? What was, what we were, were talking, talking about junk miles. Junk miles. <laughs> she switched coach she got a coach and okay. she was a huge volume athlete and he basically said why are you running all this you have so many junk miles or raising your intensity <clears throat> and i got really mad at my tv because there's no such thing as junk miles but she became a robot i think she was already a robot and she beat cancer maybe her like, circuit what's, board what's the round gonna do to you after cancer did she beat a record she did wow yeah not by a lot wow. but anyway <laughs> that was a stretch but I get, I get the coach. He got rid of her junk mouse. She got faster. And then it reminded me that she was the most impressive human I've seen in like a uh, year. And I had to tell everyone about it. I think if <laughs> I stumbled upon this woman somewhere, the beekeeper thing rings a bell. Beef. Uh, <laughs> beef Beef farm. She's a beef farmer, guys. We are. We have beekeepers out. This is not the same woman I came across. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said beef. Probably a good thing. A beef that farmer. We don't record in person. God. So be. there's a beet farmer. Shoot farms. No, it's not a beet farmer. Um, Okay, I guess to say there's no such thing as junk miles, if you are completely healthy and not monitoring anything that raises an eyebrow and you don't feel like you're suffering from overtraining syndrome or constantly tired, then I would say there's no such thing as junk miles. I don't know how many of you are in that boat. I think her name is Nikki Spinks. Hmm. All right. The beet farmer. (laughs) Beet farmer. We should move on from this one. But... <clears throat> an abundance of easy miles that prevent you from doing quality work are not useful. On that, we can all agree. 
Yes. Yes, we can. How crazy is it when training for long distance to cap every session at two hours minimum? So every time they head out for a session, they're going at least two hours. How crazy is that? Who asked that question? The Wild Project FR. Hmm. How crazy is that? It's not crazy at all, actually. Um, if you look at some of the greats, I think that is typical protocol. You look at even within the realm of OCR and you would go look at um, in her prime OCR, Rhea Coble was running two hours every time she went out her door. She was running 100 plus mile weeks with 30,000 feet of vert and everything was that. Not 100 plus. 100, 100 on the dot. <laughs> yeah, it's a, good, it's a good point. I've never seen a graph like that other than Lisa's. You look at. You looked at Rhea Coble, and she had, you know, she was struggling, I think, with some personal stuff that mm -hmm. she's been open about now. So there's some compulsivity to it. But um, you would look back, and I think Strava goes back like 16 weeks on your graph, and it was a perfectly even 100, week in and week out. But for example, and she was crushing. I mean, she was vert. She was crushing. She was winning a lot of the U.S. National Series races, and she was going out for two-plus hours every day, just leaving the, leaving the house and going for running. And I think some of the best ultra runners do that. I don't, I don't know for sure who those ultra runners would be, but I guarantee that's part of the model for many. I think a lot of those miles are slow, 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 and easy, 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 and on soft surfaces, not concrete. But I actually don't mind that model if you're feeling pretty good. You could take yeah. the Mark Battress 10 miles a day approach, double it or time and a half it, and you have two hours. So I don't, I think that's an experiment worth actually maybe pursuing for some. What do you think? Yeah, I don't, we're, if we're talking <clears throat> long, why not? That's race specific. And you can fudge it easily. 20 minute warm up, 60 minute run, 20 minute cool down, 40 minute strength session. You could do your easy hour into an hour in the weight room every time. In fact, I just talked with an athlete this past week who does their morning trail run and then goes to the CrossFit gym within a half hour every day and does some sort of strength training or circuit or something that, and those are two hour sessions. Wait, was this two hour run or two hour session? They just said training, but because I'm assuming it's a two-hour run on foot. So maybe, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. Either way. Yeah. If it's a, a two-hour run minimum, it's a little closer towards crazy. But if we're talking long and you have the time and the health, why not? I don't like hard and fast rules. Mm -hmm. I will not go below two. Yeah. But crazy? Probably not. And it'd be tricky to see how you'd recover if, that, if it was two hours on feet and you wanted to keep quality in there and you were really trying to hit the pinnacle of your fitness. I don't think that would be the recipe for that, potentially, like mm -hmm. high output. Um, but I, I think people can recover on a two-hour easy run if they're durable, maybe. And if you're walk running. If you're running real slow, not a lot of impact, yeah. Or like you live in the mountains, Actually, hike up a mountain yeah, for right. an hour 20 and run down in 40. Totally. That's an easy day. All right. If you had to pick one major running company to sponsor you, but that's all you could use, running gear, trail, and road. <clears throat> who are you choosing? This is a good question. And this is a question I used to think about a lot when I thought that someone might actually sponsor me. Well, since you thought about it a lot, why don't you start? I'm waffling between like three and I'm trying to break it down in my brain. It changes every year now. Okay. Well, it's this year. Every year. So right now in this moment is the first time in a long time I would consider Salomon. Oh. Because they're upping the game and they have actual foam and shoes that are made for human feet. For the first time in a Are you long. not considering road running with this they decision? Have, they have their own version of it, but it's the thing I do the least. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't choose them, but I would consider it because every shoe has a drawback. Like if you choose the best trail shoes, who makes the best trail shoes? Lots of companies. Like what does that mean? Mountain, 
off right. trail. If you choose the best off trail, like fell racing, OCR, they don't have a road offering. Mm-hmm. If you choose the best road shoes, you're kind of stuck. So I think the safest pick is Hoka because they have a racing shoe for every single option of racing now that the Zanal was o- was revamped, and that's mm-hmm. an OCR shoe now. And they have a low stack racer. If you can find the old Rocket X, not mm-hmm. Rocket, just regular Rocket. Yep. Or was that the Rocket X? Carbon X? Rock, uh, Rocket X. Rocket. Whatever. Yeah. They have a low stack racer. They have the Carbon X 2, which is a great shoe. The 3 is night and day from the 2. They have the Tecton X. They have Speed Goat, Mafate. They have everything you could need. So I guess I would probably choose them. What about their gear other than their shoes? Yeah, kind of. <clears throat> Does they Hoka do a lot make cross branding? Do they have do they have a good compression shorts line? Do they um, do they make Hoka socks? They do a lot of stuff with Nathan. Uh, they co brand. That's it. what I wonder. That's what I'm waffling over. So I'm between Nike and Hoka. Yeah, and Hoka the shoes. I think it's Hoka all day for me. They make a great road shoe. They make great carbon plated shoes. They have their answer to the Alpha Fly coming out like tomorrow. I'm confident it's going to be a great shoe. They have low stack height, which I love in general. So their shoes work for me. I high stack, low drop. High, sorry, low drop. Yeah, they have low heel. Yeah, low drop. Nike has a lot of offerings. They have plenty of like anything you want apparel wise. You're going to find something you love by Nike. And they have one drawback. They're tra- are you talking their trail? They don't have a stripped down trail racer, right. and they don't have a big beefy all day mountain shoe. Well, they have stuff that's getting closer. Yeah, I've never run in their Ultrafly. I don't even know what that would... Ultrafly is the closest, but it's not a speed go where you can take it down technical stuff. <laughs> and the Zagama is just well, it's an overbuilt, underperforming shoe. So, yeah. So, there's my waffle is like, what? But it's one of those two for me, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Brooks is interesting because they're upping their game. The Hyperion Elite 4, which we saw in people's shoes take mm. fourth and fifth at the trials, is yeah, there was a lot of Brooks improvement yeah. over... And Brooks really invests in the the mid-tier pro group, so you're going to see a lot of Brooks guys at trials. John DeWitt, mm-hmm. Brooks guy. Um, but, 219, I think. Yeah. But they're four. Hyperion, or Hyperion Elite 4 is an improvement. It's a shoe I would finally run in. Mm-hmm. And their trail stuff is really improving, too. So you have brands like that that are coming into it. Asics, yep. I would see, start a lot of Asics about. on people's feet. You're seeing two, three years ago, use across the board was Nike's. Across the board. And now I think there were, there might have been more of another specific shoe than the Alpha Fly at the Olympic trials. Yeah, what do that, you think? The Metaspeed was the Meta more Speed. prominent than Nike. There, yeah. At least in the top 25. Wild. Uh, and it's my, it's my favorite Metaspeed Sky. shoe. They, they had a bunch in the Edge. Yeah. There's the new version, the Sky yeah. and the Edge 3, uh-huh. which uh-huh. they went Sky and Plus, so the okay, third yeah. version. But they also have some pretty decent trail shoes now. But yeah, I think Hoka, if it was only shoes, but the gear is what would give me pause there. And I would... I think I'd just go Nike. It's hard not I think I do. I go Nike because I know I'll have endless supply of all the... I can buy a Nike watch, a GPS watch. I can buy... Like when you talk about everything, they got great gloves, hats, buffs, shells, jackets, saw, everything. So it's just about half. They're just the monster and they've done it right other than they're like trail shoe I'm in love with. So I'm going to go, I just, you talked me into it, Nike, but if Hoka came out with clothing line, I don't even know what they offer. I'm going to do Hoka. Okay. And behind closed doors, we're going to swap some stuff. (laughs) We're going to do a lot behind closed doors. Yes. Ideally, you'd want a different shoe and apparel, but that's not the way it works. Yeah. It's a good question. Got me thinking. Yeah. Hoka's low point is their apparel. Mm -hmm. It's ill-fitting. You would look at their runners, their stuff doesn't fit them. Kind of silly, yeah. Yeah. And and kind of frou-frou-y colors a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Fits. Yeah, see a little bit, little boxy racing jersey. 
Yeah, it's not yeah. for me. Yeah. I like that question, though. Uh, do we have here? Hmm. Best strategy of training with a broken middle toe and once it's healed. Well, once it's healed, you're good. <laughs> once you're healed, you can start running again. Yeah. Uh, don't use it till it's healed. Honestly, I've tried that route. It's not great. Middle toe is interesting because it doesn't... I think the middle toe can kind of float there depending on how you push off. Depends where the toe... You got to tape it. A lot of tape. Tape it and you got to tape it up a little higher than the toe next to it. So it's Mm. not slapping the ground. But I mean, ideally you just wouldn't. You'd bike like crazy, roll like crazy. You a salt bike. Yeah, get on your salt bike. There it is. Yeah. I tried it with a big toe. Not good. Mm. What else? It could be some more responsive that, that have curated since we started as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because this has been a last-minute Q&A here. Yeah, there's more in there. Thoughts on the new Hoka Super Shoe. Neither of us have run in it, but we've seen it. I love it already. Night and day It's the best shoe I've never worn. Oh, I like that. Yep. I've heard good things. And it's got that low heel-to-toe drop that I like. And it's got super foam. And it's got carbon plate. And it's a Hoka Shoe. And that's a really good start for me. So I love it. You should buy it. And then you should send it to me. Ten and a half. Size ten and a half. Make that two. Yep. Uh, honest thoughts on Spartan's recent changes in the future of Spartan and OCR. Hmm. That's a good question. Have you guys chatted this out on Race Brain? Yeah, but not recently. <clears throat> I've probably given my thoughts a lot more than you have. Yeah, but not on this podcast. Not on this podcast. Um, I like what they're doing with the series. I like what they're doing with uh, gated start corrals based on estimated 5k time i agree with the you get in standards by previous performances in the elite field although i think the standards are soft i like everything that they've decided to do on the elite and age group level this year um my issue with spartan is i started this sport in 2016 bracken goes way further back but the first two years i was in the sport They had the same race schedule and qualifying standards. And every single year since, I think since 18, 19, all the way through, they've changed it every single year. They give us nothing consistent. They give us nothing reliable. They try to revamp the wheel, a system that wasn't broken, and they went ahead and tried to fix it, and they ruined it. So I'm really hoping they got it right. But my issue is that the format has changed consistently, and so I just take this as nothing now. It means nothing to me. It's lost all its value and credibility because it'll just change next year. So why does it even matter? So I'm grumpy about it. I like it, but I think they've just, they played with the the format and the toy too much and they broke it. And so can they like come up with something that sticks? That's all I want to see. I don't care if it's good or bad. I just want to see it stick. And so I have this like really rain cloud point of view on the series system because of that, because of the constant change. So I don't even know if that was an answer. It is. But that's just my take on it. It's a very fair take. I think it's a positive step backwards. (laughs) Okay. Like they're stepping back. They have less events this year on the the pro side of the sport. The national series is only three, or the North American series, the regional series are only three races and then a North American or a regional championship and then worlds. So it's a step backwards, but it's a step backwards towards a good system. I agree with that. Unfortunately, we've stepped backwards to a system that is the system on paper that we had when you came into the sport, but mm-hmm. there's less races now, yeah. and it's more complicated to get in. And is there, there's no money 
And there's less money. There's no money in races outside the series to get buy-in from new athletes. See, that's the There's tough- also no money anymore at the series races, only at the end paying out the series. That was the most recent. Did I don't know if you know remember. That. They announced the series and said, stay tuned for our prize money announcement. Two months later, the announcement came out that there was no prize money. Ugh. Like if you're going to regress- But the overall series. So if you take fifth overall in the series, you get a paycheck, but you got to yeah, do but, the series. Yeah, but it's like- uh, 5,000, 3,000, 1,500 or something like that for the series payout. For the top three. So, yeah. So only the winner has a chance of breaking even for the series. So it's, again, it's a positive reduction. It's cool that they're doing it, but it's, uh, in the version we are watching, it's the most watered down version we've ever Mm -hmm. seen of it. It's the right idea. We should have a series. I like that idea of Sprint Super Beast. Yeah, I do too. Um, but it's not enough because it's less than they've ever offered. And Jack Bauer just did a huge breakdown of how much prize money has been given away every year at every race and series in Spartan in OCR history. And this is Spartan's lowest year ever. Yeah, they're hurting. They are. And I get it. But They also uh, owe me 1300 bucks. 1300 That's it. I mean, is that a lot or not? I mean, it's a lot for someone to owe you. $1,333.33 to be technical. Look at you. Sounds like a payment <laughs> installment. I can explain why it's that amount, but I won't. Okay. when And it I, probably was a payment installment. <laughs> when I left Leaderboard, I was determined that it was the final time I would ever have to rebrand in this industry. Because at the beginning, we had the Apex Project. Mm-hmm. And that morphed into Leaderboard, which then grew and then died. And now we have the running public. And I, I was very, very clear with myself and Lisa and I were with each other that like we don't have another rebrand in us. There's only so many times you can say, I am now blank. You mean after the running public? This is the end of the road for you. There's not another OCR company in me. Right. Running. That, that's it. Like Because people talk about what you learn from others in sport or life or business, and that's true. But I have a list of people that I've met through specifically the sport of running and primarily through OCR, who are my guardrails of people I don't want to be. Mm -hmm, People I don't want to live like, people I don't want to make decisions like, and people who I just don't, like if I start doing something that's in line with what they would do, that's my guardrail. Like don't do that. And one of those things is rebranding constantly. Like always pitch, oh my, I'm now working with this company and I have this new thing and and this is great. And after like the fourth or fifth or sixth thing, it's like, you're just trying to make money off me and you don't care how, right? And uh, that's not what we're doing here. Yes. They've changed their offerings so many times that I can't take them at face value anymore that it's going to be good. Like I've lost the sense of trust. Now it's like, you're going to have to show me. And so while I like the series, I even like some of the locations. It goes Jacksonville, Big Bear, Utah, Seattle. It's a good mix. I wish they had done Palmerton or New Jersey or Killington. I wish they would do Montana. I wish they would do Indiana or something. But what they did choose, I think, are good choices. Yeah, good venues. But if you don't hit altitude, there's middle two. I don't believe in them like I used to. I don't have blind faith anymore, and that's Mm. my worry. So I don't know. I I still want to run Seattle. Spartan owes us nothing. Nope. Well, they don't, they don't, well, uh, they owe us $1,333. As, as a community, they don't owe us anything. We sit here on our high horse and expect like, why don't they have these high payouts? We deserve that. No, we don't. We deserve jack shit. If they, if you sign a contract for a sponsorship and they don't pay you, I do deserve that money, by the way. Steve Hammond, if you listen, please reach out to me if you're even involved with that side of things. So 
this whole thing, like, they're not giving us money. We're crybabies. Like, yeah, you're being a crybaby if we talk about money. I We're privileged to have that as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a valid argument. What I think is a valid argument, aside from prize money, is we need heroes in our lives. We really need heroes in our lives. It's why the NFL is successful. It's also entertaining to watch. It's why big major sports are successful because we build up, whether it's from the company themselves or sponsorships, we want to idolize and be like or perform like or have a small piece of who these champions are. They inspire us to show up and do the same thing the champions are. Spartans completely lost direction with promoting their champions, promoting people who others aspire to be like. They have no system in place for buy-in for the everyday folk. Tough Mudder already exists and they bought that. That's for the everyday folk. Spartans dying because they lost their heroes. That's it. And they don't promote them. The system is flawed from the start, in my opinion. That's it. It's a bad system. I kind of want to leave and let you get on a soapbox yeah. and go because this is good content. I like yes, I like Fiery Kurt. But you do you not do you agree with 100%. me? Hundred percent. Because I got into it to chase Hobie, and you <laughs> probably got into it to, to chase or be Killian. But I'm not even talking about Atkins. guys like you and me. I'm talking about Je- John Doe on the couch who has a run in his life. Still motivating. But we wouldn't be here right now if Spartan hadn't had an elite offering of athletes trying to become pro who they were showing on TV. We wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't aspired to do something big like that. Yeah, I agree. And we're not the highest end and we're not the lowest end, but I think Mm -hmm. we can see to some extent, like outside of the highest Mm -hmm. and lowest, we can see the middle range ourselves and there's no one, there's nothing for us right now. Correct. So- well, th- to jump into your point, and the reason I was trying to figure out, like, why you brought up this story about the woman, the bee farmer, <laughs> the beef farmer, is the money thing. The problem with the money thing is that I think for some buy-in, for the heroes, that needs to come back. To get the heroes here, to have them consistent, like yep. in the day bold, to, to motivate them to come and then start the system all over again. Plaster Bracken's face all over everything. Bring Ryan Mackins back in the mix. Give me people to follow and invest in. There's none of that. And so the money thing, I just wanted to finish that yeah. before I forgot. That That's where it ties in. I think the money's still necessary. You got to spend money to make money, and, and they're not spending money anymore. And I firmly believe in that statement as well. And so anyways, I interrupted you. No, no, no. That's 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 an important bow tie to put on that final point. And, and you talked about the gated <laughs> – someone asked their opinion. Now they're getting it. You asked, you asked about the – you said you like the idea of the gated heat and everything like that. And again – I really like it five years ago. I don't like it anymore. Because keeping people out instead of inviting them in? We need everyone. Yeah. Because it's dying on the vine. We need numbers first and then elitism second. Like You got to have the numbers before you can designate how good you are. Because otherwise, there's not enough people who would even consider themselves good enough to try it. Uh, And the case in point here is that I don't know if you've seen Vijay's thing. He wants to get everyone back for Seattle. But with the new qualification system, Ryan Woods can't go race Seattle because you have to qualify in by doing one of the three North American series races. Right. So, like, I I would have to go do one of them. Yeah. It would have to be Jacksonville, most likely. But that's in two weeks. Yeah. So I'd have to just go do that. But Ryan can't do that because he doesn't have his pro card. I got it from, I got it from doing Michigan four months ago, but he had, he doesn't have that. So he would have to go do a race prior to Jacksonville (laughs) to get into Jacksonville. He'd have to start in the non-pro wave, (laughs) earn his way into the pro wave, do Jacksonville, and then 
qualify from Jacksonville. So he'd have to run three races rather than yeah. one. So it's it's a hindrance now. And there are people who have interest in being the heroes who can't just show up and do that. Now it's going to cost him two grand minimum. Is he interested Probably. in doing it? I mean, he said like, yeah, I would love to do Seattle. That'd be cool. But like it might cost him two or three grand to get to Seattle. I would go out to Seattle if I could show up and just do it. Yeah. Probably. But to get to the point where he can sign up for Seattle, it's going to be a two to three grand investment. Oh, yeah. I have my pro card already. So at least I skip one step. So you would have to, it'll cost you 1500 yeah. to start your sign up process. Yeah. So it's just, it is a hassle. And I know part of it's elitist, like, oh, I think I should run based on past merit. But there's some truth to that. Like if you want good people there, mm-hmm. let them in. In the past, the good people, and that's that's really an elitist term. Yeah. The fastest people didn't pay for races because they understood it's going to get the others there. Correct. Bah humbug, whatever, as maybe we're being, I think for the age group, I think it's actually a good system, by the way. I do think it's a good system. Age group in particular. I think it's a decent system. I think it's a good system to prevent the traffic jams. I think it's to give everybody a fair chance. People run their waves and have no idea who's in their age group or not already because they combine age groups. So at least put mm-hmm. you next to people who are your Love speed. the age group. All that stuff's great. Um, I'm just like giving brand advice. Like you want to keep your head above water and grow the sport back. I mean, COVID was tough on you and everybody. And so like there's a bone to be thrown because they were fine before COVID. They, they were, were paying checks. They were doing what they needed to do before COVID. So, you, like, I feel a little bad bashing them for that regard because they're just trying to survive like a lot of other companies. But I still think along the way they they got to figure out that out. They do. But but it was bad on everyone. And, like, uh, has UTMB ever been bigger? Mm-mm. Has trying to rim to rim to rim ever been bigger? Nope. Has Pikes Peak Marathon ever sold out quicker? Probably not. And, and why is that? Is because they're iconic, but they have their heroes there. If Jim was not doing Jim's thing, Jim Walmsley, mm-hmm. and going after this, and Hoka buying in and making documentaries about it, and sponsoring and sponsoring people to go out there, and if Jim wasn't coming up short and then making another documentary, and Killian winning it and then stepping away, and Francois, if they weren't the big heroes making their huge storylines, letting millions of people power hike on their treadmills, watching these documentaries, mm-hmm. if that wasn't happening. UTMB wouldn't have rebounded the way it did after COVID. It simply yeah. wouldn't have. And Spartan took their heroes, their stories, and their videos away with COVID. They pulled <clears> back rather than doubling down on the human part of it. And I think that's always going to be the what draws people to races is either like an epic scope will get you there, but the humans will keep you there. And that's what yeah. Spartan had early on. And there have never been more trail offerings. That's what Spartan's battling. There have yeah. never been more opportunities to run a race in the history of mankind than right here in this time. And so Spartan has to conv- convince you not to run someone else's in order to get you to run theirs. And it's becoming harder. Yeah. And I think we should move on from this here in a second. <laughs> but because we could, I, I think yeah. it's a, it's an easy topic to go on rants about. But um, you just have to look at the facts. And the facts are the, the number of athletes that were completely bought in, all in on that sport for years compared to the number of athletes that are now is staggering, maybe 10% retention at most. And In so obviously America, I'd say, yeah. And I think it starts from the top is all I'm saying. I think their brand yeah. starts from the top. And if you have the, if you don't have the buy-in from the top, uh, it's going to trickle down to their bottom line. Unfortunately, I think that's just where they're at. And I think they could pull it off. Maybe there, there's a chance this could end up where it should, but like right now it's just a big, they're in a big hole for a lot of reasons. I'll wrap with two things. Okay. First is that Europe seems to be strong. Yeah. Foreign contingencies seem great. Some of the Asian contingencies, 
killing it. It's growing like crazy in Asia mm-hmm. and the whole APAC region. And the European elite scene is as strong as it's ever been. You're right. And I have not had more fun at a race than I did in the Spartan Iran last year. And I love my Spartan Iran in SoCal. I had a great experience yeah. there. So I agree with you. So I'm I'm so hopeful that they get their act together or that they are proving right, that the season works and it's big and we can all just say, yes, finally, we can buy in and go all in. I think everyone yeah. wants to go back all in on it. They're just unsure why yeah. they should right now. Well, I don't know if they see the big picture. I don't think like people want to invest even more than just a race or a season. They want to invest like lives in this sport. And I think people have a hard time projecting that far into the future right now, which I think is also part of the holdup. But you have new ones? That's what I'm going to check. Well, let's go. Let's go another like 10 minutes because we haven't eaten dinner yet. And it's. We got to go soon. You're old. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. My bedtime was an hour ago. Oh, my goodness. We got to. Yep. All right. Probably too late, but I'd love to hear some ideal workout volumes for noticeable for notable race distances. Didn't we cover that? Oh, we didn't really cover this with Josh Joshua Reed. We talked about long runs. I'm going to give a really simple answer, which I rarely do. Okay. Almost all your workout volumes, I'm talking quality sessions, okay. where you're not running easy. Is that what you're asking about? I don't know. It says workout volumes for, for notable race distances. Okay. So I'm just going to say this is quality sessions. For anything up to a marathon, the single best window of time to shoot for is 30 to 40 minutes of work. Of quality work. Up to the session. marathon. All the way up to the marathon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say three out of every four, two out of every three, 30 to 40 minutes. If you get somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes of quality work in, you can't ask for much better than that. Are there specific days or purposes? Sure. But two out of every three, three out of every four, 30 to 40, minute, 30 to 40 minutes of work qualifies you for world-class training. I'm not counting the warm-up or the cool-down or the rest sets. Just work. Okay. I'm going to say from an overall volume standpoint from the week, what was the question? To perform your best, what was it? What was the, the, the I will read it lens again. it came through? Because it's going to change my answer, actually. I'd love to hear some ideal workout volumes for notable race distances. Oh, well, I think you answered it correctly. I think that's what they were asking. And I, I don't, if I'm training for, I would say 3K, Maybe, but like for the normal person, 5K through marathon, the majority of your workouts can last 30 to 40 minutes. Okay. The quality portion of it. Like what's a big 5K workout? Four by 5K? Huge. A 5K workout? I mean, sorry, marathon. Marathon. Four by 5K to train? Like pro level, but three by 5K for most most mortals. That's about as big as it gets. And that would exceed the 40 minute time zone for most people. And you're not hitting that very often. So yeah. there are exceptions to it, and that's more of a long-run workout anyway. 30 to 40 minutes. I'm a happy man. Let's leave it at that. Good with that? I was going to give it like a like something like super simple. Like if you're a 20-minute 5K or like at minimum, you should be doing 5 to 10 times the amount of time you're going to be on feet for your race. So like if you're like a 10K and it takes you 40 minutes and you multiply that by 5 to 10, you're going to have a range of window of time to spend but it doesn't really check out because I've never felt dumber listening to a simple answer like <laughs> before. I'm lost. You're like, giving me do math. Like, let's say you're a, a 230 marathoner. Mm-hmm. Multiply that by five. What does that get you? <laughs> like 12 uh, hours of trail and a half hours of training. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Carry the one. If you, the, 
what I was getting to is like, if you plan to race for 20 minutes, uh, the equation should work out. So like at minimum, you're doing like two hours of work a week or something. Like I'm just like trying to create like minimum standards and it's not okay. working because I, my, I think my blood sugar is low. We got to eat. No. Okay. Next question. We have right. five ish minutes. We're wrapping five to seven one. minutes. We had, no, we got, okay. Uh, we'll see. Does high stack increase stride length enough <clears throat> to make a positive difference? I've never really heard it phrased that way. Does high stack high in- increase stride length? In theory, I think people overstride the higher off the ground they are because their shoes are more cushioned, so they're not punished for reaching out in front mm-hmm. of them. My take is that no stride increase is a positive difference unless you're still landing underneath yourself. Like if you're mm-hmm. not landing as you should, your stride getting longer is not helpful. It's like pushing a bigger gear and pedaling slower. Pushing a bigger gear is only helpful if your cadence stays high and your power outage, your power outage, your power output of wattage, wattage. I can't, we're, we're losing it. If your wattage stays the same, like it's not purposeful. Yeah. If you're pushing 300 watts on a, on a one gear and you move up to like a harder gear and you push 250, that's not helpful. Yeah. Same thing with stride length. I've never even looked into stack height versus stride length, to be honest, ever. I would think like for me, without question, you put me in like a, if we talk, drop heel to toe drop you put me in a high stack height shoe and i'm pretty sure that shortens my stride length yeah yeah like if it's a 12 mil drop which is very high like i will heel strike for sure and if you measured my stride from one foot to the next i bet you it's shorter because i'm striking oh further yeah, behind my yeah foot. Th- this was stack i know it was stack drop. height but right okay. but I'm, I'm saying like i don't equate stack to stride length and maybe i should I, maybe i should educate myself but i certainly feel like heel to toe drop would make a difference for me personally but i don't really know one of the arguments against hoka early on was that they did a study and it showed that it <clears> increased <throat> heel striking mm. in people because they weren't punished for striding out yeah i mean so theory but what what high stack really does is it gives you more underneath your foot which allows you to run in theory properly <clears throat> with less damage which less sure impact force now there's some force loading that's been done that shows that high stack actually increases force loading in some runners i don't want to get too techy here all i want to say is that if you run properly high stack just allows you to do it for longer or less costly it shouldn't change your stride if anything it should make it better it shouldn't make it longer okay i just i've not studied enough on it i haven't looked into it enough it's, I think it's one of the most common fallacies that if I can just lengthen my stride a little bit on every stride, I'm going to get faster. And that's, that's not the not case. Just, it's not true at all, yeah. All right, let's do one a ridiculous question, one that people aren't going to learn anything from. <laughs> and then let's go eat some food. This is speaking of ridiculous. That was from Donkey Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey Boy 82. Donkey Boy. Um, What's up, Donkey Boy? Son? Best and, and or weirdest pre-race or mid-race fuel you've ever eaten? pre-race or mid-race weirdest or best weirdest <clears throat> or strangest weird what's the weirdest thing you ever ate or strangest before a race and during a race hmm i mean the right answer would say i've never done that i'm not an idiot <laughs> but i'm trying to think i remember you telling stories or maybe it was mike ferguson about like ryan kenny and donuts like he just ate whatever is available to him in the mornings he, before races he makes sure there's donuts available yeah oh maybe that's like his up thing. to within a half hour before his okay race. so he's a he's a donut guy what if i i really wish i had a cool answer and i'm not sure i do not one thing jumps out at me i know remember my my athlete that i still coach natasha manzel would like put a ham sandwich in her sports bra 
<laughs> eat that an hour into her run. I mean, she told us that on her episode, yeah, she didn't did. she? Like a ham, ham sandwich? sandwich in the rain, in soggy the rain. ham sandwich in the rain. That was like her mid. Yeah. I don't think it was a race. It could have been long runs for sure. Long runs, she yeah, like ate a ham sandwich. So it, that's a that's secondhand knowledge, though. I've never done that. No, I don't wear sports bras. Mm. It's not entirely true. I have wore sports bras. I was fiddling around with how to keep a, a chest strap up, mm-hmm. and I borrowed one of my sisters. Did it work? It worked. There's nothing. It was so uncomfortable. You can't borrow a sister's sports bra. I feel like that crosses. It touch it. There's like a line there that feels icky. I didn't feel great about it. <laughs> Lisa was there. She was like, "This is strange, but I'm There's- taking pictures while you do this." <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, it's a great question. I don't know if I have anything for you. I know I've been out on a run and I was desperate and I knew it might happen. And I stopped at a gas station and got like a Mountain Dew and like a beef stick because I just could tell I needed both. But it was like one of those, like, I'm going to go run forever. And I wasn't prepared and I was younger. And so I don't, that that doesn't really count. Speaking of people not learning anything, you're about to learn something that's not useful, but like a great secret, shameful that I've held in my entire life. Mm-hmm. First time I ever ate a beef stick, it was one mm-hmm. of those old packages where it had a cheese stick on one side oh, and yeah. a beef stick on the other. Those are good, yeah. And I had had it, I think I got it for trick-or-treating one year, uh-huh. and it had been laying around for, it had to have been months by this point because this was a warm day. Okay. And so I decided I was going to have it. So I t- pulled both down and took a huge bite out of it and started chewing it. And it was just horrible. <laughs> it was so bad that I had to spit it out. And I was probably in like fifth grade, old enough to know better. And I don't know why to this day, but I was biking home and I looked over and I was passing a car that had their sunroof open. And I just, without thinking, I spit it through the sunroof. <laughs> and I wasn't a bad kid. Mm-hmm. And I was a very respectful kid. Coincidental. And that, that was horrible. And I like, and I hit my brakes and I came to a stop and I felt sick to my stomach, partially from the horrible beef I just had in my mouth, but also because that was like the worst thing I'd ever done. And I went back and I couldn't figure out how to get it out of the car. Oh, it was a parked car. A parked car. Oh, okay. Got it. But it was sitting there on their seat and it was warm and it was going to stink eventually. And it was just half chewed beef stick and cheese. And it was so out of character for me and I wanted to make it right, but I didn't want to climb on top of their car because that's rude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I was I was stuck. I was kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I ended up biking home and it just ate at me ever since. Wow. And now I let it out. There's your confession. Yeah. And I do want to be clear. My sister was a college athlete, basketball player. And yeah. they were at a, a, a university sponsored by Nike for a few years and then Adidas for a few years. And she just had so many hundreds of articles of clothes that I'm mm. sure this was like I popped the tag off and uh-huh, put the sure. bra on uh-huh. because they were no longer sponsored by this brand or something. Do you own pictures of that experience? Yeah, I, I, wonder, I wonder if I can find it right okay. now. Okay, well. As we go, you what can, are we talking about? Well, I think we're done. I feel, I, I think we did. weird, but I had to fuel for a race out of a vending machine once. Mm. What'd you choose? I want to say I had Snickers bar, trail mix, and... Probably a Pop-Tart. Okay. Best in well, Powerade. <laughs> I have, I have a question. What do you do with your banana peel when you're eating a banana in the car? Say you're on a country road. But do, you, do you just keep it and throw it in the garbage or do you wing it out into the woods? Because you know it's biodegradable. Which one are you, banana peel thrower or do you always? By nature, I'm a thrower. Uh-huh. I, uh, I threw a CD out the window one day because it was scratched and uh-huh. Lisa stopped the car 
That's and not a banana field, peel. But I'm 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 hyper aware now. But I would wrap it in some some clean extra toilet paper. Okay, and then wait. Okay, I'm a every other thrower. If the situation arises and I feel like I can get away with it without somebody thinking I'm throwing trash out the window, my banana peels going. And there's about a half a mile section of road after I leave my house where they all land. And oh my god, I'm looking at bracket in a sports bra. You fill that out nicely. Thanks. Wow, you even got a little cleavage. It must push the girls together kind of nice. This might have been high rocks. Yeah, you're looking good. Um, all right, we're going to wrap this thing up. Oh, my God. Now we got to use the video. Uh, this is it. We're done. We're wrapping it. We Stop that. Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> no, it's gonna. It's a Friday episode. That's it. We're going to go get some food. We're going to do some work. Then, I don't know. What are we going to do after that? Run, work, run, work. And it's all for you. All for you. Baraboo, Wisconsin, out.